All right, hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Contractor CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Link, and today I have a very exciting episode. I'm going to be going over five things that if I were to have to redo my business all over again from scratch, what are the five things that I would absolutely change and make sure I did not repeat for the next time? And on the contrary, what are five things that I would keep and in order for me to replicate my success? Because obviously I'm still in business, we have grown. It's not like every single thing that I did when I first started my business was wrong, but I have a handful of things that I did wrong and a handful of things that I did good that if I were to do everything all over again, that is how I'd recreate it. So with that being said, let's just get right into mistake number one. And that's not charging enough slash giving away things for free. And so I know I talk about this all the time on my podcast and just in my content in general, but when I first started, I was so worried about numbers and I was a pretty poor person myself. And so just keep in mind, if you're going into contracting and you don't have very much money, you're going to think that your prices sound expensive. And why do they sound expensive to you? It's because you're not the one that would be paying for a service like this. One, because you could do it yourself. And two, probably because you're not, if you don't have a lot of money. If you have a lot of money, I'm not 100% sure why you're starting a contracting business, I guess, unless you really like it. Um, because if I had a lot of money, I probably wouldn't be doing this either. But so I came into it with this money mindset of when I went to go send out bids, I was always nervous that people think would think that my pricing was outrageous. So I was never charging enough. And the second part of this is I'd give away things for free. How many times have we been doing jobs and then there's a small change order, but we're like, oh, you know what? I would rather not even ask for money. I'd rather just do it for my customers so they like me. And I used to do this all the time. And man, if you are doing that, please don't do it. Your customers are not going to be as thankful as what you think they are. And at the end of the day, they're going to be more thankful if you have plenty of money, you're not stressed, and you have tons of time to service them if you have to. Okay, so what people don't want is for you to be cheap and then you're not charging enough and you don't have enough time to service them for warranty and things like that. So that was a huge mistake is just being scared about money in general, not wanting to charge high prices. And if things did come up that weren't my responsibility, I'd be nervous to ask for money. So definitely I would not do that again. One of the things that I would keep though is I had really good grit and determination. And so I don't really like talking about myself in some positive light or anything because um, it's not like I did anything that great, but when I look back at it, cause some people are like, well, Tyler, you're like, what are some of the things that you've done that you, uh, that have helped you get to where I'm at? And when I say grid determination, it's very, there's specific things. Like for instance, I didn't come into this business with an ego. Like for instance, when I first started, I would do literally any single thing that I had to in order to get the job done. Like, for instance, if we were running low on sales, well, guess what? If I had to go door knock, I would freaking door knock. I didn't care. Um, if I needed employees and I knew that my competitors had the employees that I wanted, I would walk up to their job sites and try to steal their employees. There was nothing that I would not do to be successful because to me, there was literally nothing that could have been worse than me having to go back to work for someone else. And so that was kind of my mindset going into it. I was like, I don't care how shitty, how bad it is, how whatever it is. All I know is I don't want to go back to working for someone else. So I was so determined and I didn't have one foot in the water, one foot out. 
I wasn't, you know, dipping my little toe in and being like, man, I hope everything goes perfect. And then if it starts to feel a lot of little bit of pain, I'd pull my leg back. Like, no, like I jumped head first in. And I think anything in life, there's no way that you're going to be successful at something that requires this much effort. Unless you just go full in, you have a lot of grit, a lot of determination, and you don't look back. All right, mistake number two is I had no good contract. And again, this ties all back to, it wasn't even necessarily out of me being lazy. The other part of it is as like, well, you know, if if I'm doing bids for customers and I have this really lengthy contract, they're not going to feel comfortable with me and they're not going to want to hire me. And so I actually thought that I was doing a favor to my customers by not having that great of a contract, as in like making it really, really short, as in, hey, I'm going to do your driveway. This is how much it's going to cost. But what I didn't realize is that contracts with a lot of terms and conditions, if they're easily understandable, are actually a benefit to both parties. They're a benefit to the customer and they're a benefit to the cost uh, to the contractor. And you might be thinking like, well, why does that make sense? And the reason why it makes sense is because you don't want any type of gray area because the only time that people ever get really, really upset, I shouldn't say the only time, but this will really minimize the amount of times that people get upset with you, is if you detail every little thing out in the contract and your customer reads it, which no one ever does, but either way, you could always reference it later when they have a concern. You say, oh no, it was in our paperwork. And I'm not saying have like a 30 page contract because that's not necessary. Ours is like two to three pages. And with one page of that being like terms and conditions. And, but it lays out everything, right? Like what happens if we're doing a driveway and we hit an irrigation line? Is it my responsibility or the customer's? What happens if we damage property? What happens if the customer doesn't pay on time? All these things are outlined. And what that does is it sets clear communication and expectations from the very, very beginning. I didn't do that when I was in business. And I can't tell you how many headaches I had because there was nothing writing. So then the customer and I would have to argue about who morally was right because we didn't agree to it beforehand. So that's absolutely one thing that I would change if I were to redo things. Another thing that I would keep would be my marketing. Okay, so in the very beginning, I I wasn't the best at sales. Um, my pricing sucked. <laughs> so I had some issues. One of the things that I was good at from the beginning, and it wasn't because I was good at it, it's just because I knew how important it was, is marketing. I know so many contractors that get into business and they don't place an emphasis on getting your freaking phone to ring. Well, guess what, man? If your phone doesn't ring, then you're not going to have a business. And you're going to hear from all your contractor buddies, oh, just do good work. And if you do good work, you're never going to have to market ever again. That's so dumb. Like, think about that, man. Like, that's just so dumb. Sure, if all you want to do is have one crew, like, and you want to be small, or maybe you're like, hey, I don't care how much money I make. I just want to stay busy for 50 years. I never want to get very big. I guess you could probably do that strategy. But to me, that is just so silly because if you ever want to have a legitimate business where you have employees and the business can run without you, there is no way that you can get that busy just by being a quote unquote good tradesman. There's no way. And guess what? How are you going to grow? If the whole business is contingent on you being the one to install the product, then guess what? You don't have a business you're called self-employed. You basically have a hobby that pays you. So, and I'm sorry if I offend people. I don't want to offend people, but that's not a business. A business is an organism that can live with or without you that pays a dividend. 
okay? So you can't have a business if you're just going to be the best tradesman out there. You could just be like an artist and get paid good money. And good for you if that's what you want, all the power to you. That's not what I wanted. So that's why I'm happy that I always marketed. That's how we were able to grow so fast. Mistake number three is I thought that hiring more people was cheaper than equipment. I would look at equipment prices, say like a skid steer. I'd say, oh my God, a skid steer is 80,000 bucks. I'm like, that is so expensive versus I could just pay someone 20 bucks an hour. And that doesn't sound very much, right? What you don't realize is even a piece of equipment at 80,000 bucks, that's only gonna cost you like 17, 1800 bucks a month for your payment. And then yeah, you're gonna have gas and stuff. So let's just call it all in all like 2200 bucks a month with gas, maintenance, payment, everything. And the thing is, you realize that your competitors can actually charge less than you who have more equipment. And you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like they have all these bills. And then the longer that I went and I was in business, I realized that having laborers is actually way more expensive than equipment. One, I mean, people do stupid crap. They make mistakes. And two, like if you were to go excavate a whole yard or whatever you had to do, right? You had to go tear out a patio. How long would it take three people to do that versus how long would it take one person and piece of equipment? And so that's what I really realized over the long run is that equi- I'm not saying like, you know, like a whole robot thing, like, oh, I hate people and I don't want to hire people because they're very necessary. But one, the people who run equipment, like they're going to love their bodies and your company way better and you're going to be more productive and you're not going to have to spend as long as the customer's houses. So they're going to be happier with you. Like it's like a win, win, win for everyone. I was so afraid to buy equipment when I first started. I remember we were going and driving, uh, demoing out driveways by hand. And when I say by hand, it was literally me, Caesar, and I had one laborer And we would just sit there with a sledgehammer whacking at it. And that's what we thought was the cheapest way to do things. And, uh, you know, like I said, I had grit and determination. I would do whatever it took. But sometimes you got to realize you got to work smarter and not harder. And to me, having equipment is better than having people. And that's something I would definitely change. A third thing that I would keep is I'd have is I had good basic customer service. And when I say basic customer service, I'm not saying that you have to do anything special. I'm saying like small things, like how many people do you hear that they call like multiple contractors and no one calls them back. And still that like literally bewilders me. And you know, what's funny is every single time that I talk to a contractor who, uh, whether they're a coaching client or a marketing client, or maybe they just uh, reach out via DM, whatever it is, every single contractor thinks that they provide good customer service. So isn't that funny? that most contractors think that they're good, but then I hear from people all the time, like actual customers who want to open up their wallet and pay for things, that contractors suck. And so um, what that tells you is we're probably not as good as basic customer services as we think. And if you are, then great. But what you should do is take an honest look in the mirror and say, okay, like, yeah, do I get back to people? Sure. But does it take you a day? Does it even take you a couple hours? I mean, you have to be on your shit. I mean, people don't want to wait because guess what? While they're waiting for you to call them back, they're going to start calling other people back. And one of the things that people hate is waiting to get responses, whether that's for an estimate, whether that's for warranty, what, whatever it is, they just want to be communicated with. And so that was something that I was always good at. I almost always answer the phone. And if I didn't answer, I'd almost always call people back within an hour. And so I know a lot of you are going to be like, oh, Tyler, that's not possible. I'm so busy, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, welcome to being a business owner. 
Why do you think going back to number one, not charging enough, why do you think you need to charge enough? Because it's not going to be possible for you to run a real business by yourself. And you're like, well, an office person is expensive. Yeah, it is. But if you charge enough, you could pay for it, right? And then you could have great customer service. So I'm not saying to do that day one, but always keep that in the back of your head that a super easy way to differentiate yourself is literally just by answering the phone, calling people back on time, and smiling. Don't be a grumpy-ass contractor and bring all of your problems up to people who don't need to hear about them. Just be friendly, right? Just smile. Even if things are hitting the fan, does not, you know, it does not matter. Keep your cool. Be professional. You know, wear a company uniform. All the small things that make a difference. All right, number four. And that would be trying to be everything. And why I listed this as a mistake is because when I first hired again, or when I first started again, I was trying to be cheap. I thought that I could just outwork everyone. Oh, I could be my chief sales officer. I could be my chief marketing officer. I can do my books. Why not? Oh, I could also work on the crew. Oh man, you know, I could also do all my estimates. Oh, I'm going to maintenance all of my own equipment. I thought that if I did everything, that there's no way that I wouldn't be successful because I trusted myself. And it is true. I mean, we were doing well, but there's no way that it's sustainable. Like, why would I, like, there's just no way. And on top of that, you're not going to be good at everything. Like, if you're a really, really good plumber, you're probably not also going to be a really good bookkeeper. Like, most likely not. Maybe you are. And if you're a really good bookkeeper and plumber, are you also a really good marketer? Like, most likely not. Like, and don't be one of those people who you think you're a know-it-all and you think you're better than everyone at everything. Like, I hate those people. So, man, if you're like that, like, drop the ego a little bit. You're not the freaking hottest thing under the sun. You're not the sharpest tool in the shed. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, the, I mean, how many people do you hear about over the course of time Right. And, oh man, who was, I think it was like, um, oh, it was Ford. It was Henry Ford. And he was one of the richest people of his time. And a lot of people always thought that he was dumb because they'd say, oh, you know, Henry or Mr. Ford or whatever the hell they'd call him. They'd say, Hey, what is this random thing? And he's like, oh, I don't know, but let me make a phone call and I'm going to figure it out. And he'd be able to find out any single piece of information he needed to within one minute. And people are like, oh, well, you don't know anything. And he's like, well, I don't have to know anything. I surround myself with people that know things. Okay, so just remember that. You don't have to be the best marketer. You don't have to be the best tradesman. You don't have to be the best at anything. You just have to know how to surround yourself with the people who can do the work for you and develop a business model that's still profitable, okay? So that was a huge mistake of mine from the very beginning. It caused me a lot of stress and it caused us to be mediocre in a lot of areas because I wasn't the best at everything and there's nothing wrong with that. All right, number four to keep is I was specialized. I know way too many contractors who they'll do whatever it takes and they're like, oh, I'm a landscaper, but you know, if you ask me to paint your house, I will. Or, man, I'm a landscaper, but, you know, if in the wintertime, I'm going to be a basement person. I mean, like, man, I guess you can do that. But one of the reasons that we were always successful is we stuck in our lane. I mean, one of the reasons that we were able to do that is through proper marketing, right? Getting proper leads. But number two is, like, if you're going to have a legitimate company, even if you're really talented, and keep this in mind, because a lot of you are like, oh, I can do everything. And you might be able to. You might be very talented. But how are you going to scale that? How are you going to have a real business, right? Why do I call this podcast contractor CEO? 
Because if you want to be a true CEO, you have to have a business system that is replicatable. So if you are exceptional and you know everything, you can't build a business model around that. Because guess what? Someone else that is exceptional is not going to come work for you. Like they're just not. And if you could find one of them, maybe. Maybe you could find two of them. But you're not going to be able to find 40 of them. You can't build a business off not being specialized. At minimum, you have to have different crews with different designations. Also keep in mind, when you're specialized, guess what else comes with it? Efficiency. You know what efficiency means? Money. Why does it mean money? Because the more efficient, the faster that you are, the more money that you're going to keep in your pocket because your labor costs go down. So I would keep being specialized. My last mistake on here is I was too lenient. And when I say too lenient, I was too lenient on customers and I was too lenient on my employees. And I used to think when I first started my business, oh man, you know, I'm just going to be all of my employees' best friends and, um, you know, we're going to have the best culture and, you know, people would call in sick, no big deal. I mean, nothing was ever a big deal, right? And I'm still kind of like that and I'm still working on this. But the problem is that over time, people take advantage of that. And if you think about any winning culture, like think about like the New England Patriots when they had their dynasty. Did people say, like if you talk to an ex-NFL Patriot when they were winning all those games, do you think that most people actually had fun on those teams? And the answer is no. Like they weren't having fun. And I'm not saying don't have fun. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is what matters most over anything, if you want to build a business and you want to be successful, you have to have a winning culture above all. That means you're not going to tolerate BS. You're not going to tolerate people like freaking doing like drinking on the job site. Like you're going to like you're not going to tolerate that. You're not going to tolerate them always calling out last minute. You're not going to tolerate them making mistake over and over and over again. Right? Because a lot of you are like, oh, I yell at my guys and then, you know, nothing ever changes. Like, how many people have you fired? None? Well, no, duh, man. Like, it's kind of like, you know, if your dog, like my freaking dog, he digs in the yard all the time. And if he has no real punishment, right? If he has no real punishment, then he has no incentive to listen to me. He's like, oh, man, all I have to do is I yell that for a couple minutes and then I'm free and I'm, I'm in the clear. And that's what your employees are going to do too. They're going to act sad in the moment and oh yeah, this and that. But if they aren't actually scared for their actual job security, then all of a sudden your your culture completely falls apart. It completely falls apart. So a little bit of fear, and I'm not saying a lot, but people should be expected to do their job and do it right. <laughs> okay, that's it. Like I'm not saying that, you know, again, you don't have to have like these crazy high expectations, but you should have a minimum standard that people have to meet and do not budge on it. Don't budge. Number five for keep is I always knew there's two sides of the business and I always kept them separate. And so the two business sides are the actual like um, operations. When I say operations, that's more of like the product, right? So if you're a concrete person, it's the art of pouring the concrete and it's controlling the efficiency and it's having a good product, but still being profitable. And, you know, if you're a different contractor, it's whatever you're selling. It's the product. That's one side. The other side of the business is marketing. It's sales. It's bookkeeping. It's all the things that, 
like, I guess think of it like the quote unquote, like the business side of things, right? You have the product side and the business side. How many successful businesses are there where their product sucks? It's a lot easier to be successful if your product's great, but it's not necessary. How many companies do you know that have an amazing product and they have an okay business because they're not good at the business side and things? So that's the thing you got to realize. You can't be lazy and only be good at one or the other. Most everyone that I talk to, they want to only have a good product or only be good at sales and marketing. Well, here's the deal. If you have a good product, then sales and marketing are way easier and vice versa if you're good at sales and marketing, then leveraging your product will get easier, okay? So they both work side and side, and a lot of people, they stick to what they're comfortable with, and I can't tell you guys how many times I hear from contractors, they're like, I've been in business for 20 years. In reality, they've been in business for one year, but they've repeated that one year 20 times. So don't be like that. And that was one of the things that I did from the very beginning, is I kept two sides of the business totally separate. And I always treated them differently because they did, they do deserve to be treated differently and they both deserve attention. So with that being said, these are the five things that I would change and the five things that I would keep if I were to start my business all over again. I hope this podcast was helpful for you. Again, I don't ask for anything except if you like this podcast, please share it. Please review it on whatever platform you like to listen on. That is all that I ask for in return. If you need any help with marketing or any type of coaching or anything like that, just know that this podcast is not meant to push that really hard, but I just want to make sure that you know that that's an option. If you need to just shoot me an email at tylerconcretelimesecrets.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram under it's Tyler link. And with that being said, that's all I got for you in today's episode. I will see you on the next one.